0: Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Hold My Drink, where we navigate the news and politics with a chaser of civility. I'm your host, Jen, inviting you to grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and imagine with us how to create a new American identity together. Welcome to this week's Hold My Drink. Today, I've got Author and attorney W.F. Twyman Jr., goes by Wink. I also have Dan Wolf, who is the founder of Democracy Counts, CEO and founder, also an attorney. And our discussion today is going to be on reparations. But before we start our discussion, you know how it goes. The first question for everyone is What are we drinking for this conversation?
1: Well, I. I'm showing some school pride, Jen. This morning, I have my brandy for the morning in my Harvard Law School mug.
0: Yes, and that's right because we are speaking with we've got the Harvard Club joining us on this conversation. So, what about you, Dan?
2: Oh, I am a thoroughly boring person. Two hundred proof H (laughs) two (laughs) O.
0: Well, I have to let you know that um, it's a little bit later for me than it is, so it's brunch time, and I am celebrating our conversation with a little bit of um, well, a mimosa, but without the orange juice. So mm. Mm. so anyways, <laughs> um, let's start, obviously, I want, Wink, we'll start with you. If you can give a little bit of idea of your uh, position on, on reparations and where you stand, we'll let Dan do the same, and then we'll jump into a conversation on it.
1: Well, thanks, uh, Jen. I appreciate the opportunity, and thank you, Dan, for this chance to have a conversation. Dan, what year is it, Dan? Right now. Yeah. What year? Mm-hmm.
2: Um. um I consider it. Let's see. It's. 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 Um. Twenty thirty. It's day two of year one A.D. After Donald.
1: <laughs> and most people, <laughs> true, but most people would probably say it's the year twenty twenty one, right? Okay, yeah, most people. So it's a little bit interesting to me that we're having a conversation about reparations for the descendants of American slaves in the year 2021. If it were 1865 or 1867 or 1868, I could see that. Um, But it seems a little bit strange in the year 2021 that we're having a conversation about reparations for the descendants of American slaves. So my position actually crystallized very strongly in opposition to reparations. One day, my friend Jen sent me an email and she said in passing, well, you know, there are many stories that are replete with uh, crime and poverty and people believe that's a holdover from American slavery. And she said, I think there's a lot of truth in those stories. Well, I, 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 I just was stunned and, <clears throat> and walked to my keyboard And then I remembered that a leader of the Black Lives Matter group in Chicago had said looting is reparations. My heart be still, (laughs) I couldn't take any more. And so my opinions were firmly crystallized against reparations. You know, the major reason I'm against reparations uh, is causation, pure and simple. Show me a name, name any slaver from the 1600s or the 1700s, who caused a flash mob of black teenagers to rob a drugstore in Philadelphia in 2019. Any name will do of any slaver from the 1600s or the 1700s. Let's try Mr. Willis. Mr. Willis, uh, an ancestor one of my friends, uh, was a slave catcher in Tidewater, Virginia in the 1790s. Can you show any causation actual between Mr. Willis' activities and that flash mob, that criminal action in Philadelphia in 2019, you can't. Even proximate causation would do, t- for me, Dan, we're attorneys who understand pro- causation, actual and proximate, there's not even proximate causation. So, you know, I just think that the causation's not there. Um, how does the status of a great, great, great grandmother who was in bondage in Madison County, Virginia, in the 1840s, cause a descendant to steal a candy bar from a store in the year 2019 and lie about it. There's no causation. That's just simply low impulse control. That's lack of self-discipline. So when I hear these accounts that crime and poverty in the modern age are holdovers from American slavery in the 1600s and the 1700s, I, I, I don't know what to do except to express my opposition. And then some people will say, well, you know, spirits were broken. <clears throat> spirits were broken in American slavery and those broken spirits have inherited modern day. Well, you know what? Yes, American slavery was one of the most spiritually devastating episodes in American history. i love to read, Dan. I'd love to read. The only book in my life that I had to put down for emotional reasons that I couldn't finish was American Slavery As It Is by Theodore Weld in 1839. He was a leader, as you may know, of the American Anti-Slavery Society. And he wrote about a barbaric time full of atrocities. I mean, things we would not, couldn't imagine in modern era. So yes, I believe American slavery destroyed some spirits during that time. No question about it. But I also know, I also know that the time for this discussion about reparations would have been 1865 or 1867 or 1868. You know, I don't want to go on too long because this is a short opening statement, but it occurred to me sometimes the mere words of a descendant of American slavery don't do the trick then. Sometimes it helps to have a visual. And so I want to show you something. Can you see this? Can you see those people?
2: The reflections are kind of bad, but yeah. <clears throat> okay. This but is a yeah. family.
1: These are my great grandparents.
2: Hold it a little higher.
1: Higher, okay, these are my great grandparents. Okay. And my great grandfather, Robert Brown, was born a slave in 1860. As was his wife, Amy Wilson Brown. Look at them. Look at their family. The little baby up front is my grandma. The little baby. These people are not forlorn. They're not spirit broken. These are people who were, were resilient. These are people who were concerned about creating a better future, not focused on the defeating past. And so to sum up, you know they, they say that lived experience gives one expertise. I don't have a PhD in black history. I don't have a PhD in Amer- Africana studies. But I have lived experience in my family, a family which descended from American slaves. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Spirits were not broken with my great grandparents or my grandparents. So, why would we think there's causation today in Mm -hmm. 2021 to account for modern day crime and poverty? I just disagree with that because it runs counter to all of my lived experience and it would dishonor my ancestors to not speak up and oppose reparations for slavery. My great-grandfather, there's no record he called for reparations in his lifetime. He knew slavery. He was focused on creating a legacy, farming the land, making sure his kids had a chance to go to college, looking into the future. We have to create our future. We can't focus on a defeating past. Because if we do, Dan, if we do, we become a defeated people in the spirit. That's my opening position.
2: Well, okay. <laughs> um, the, um, <laughs> I do not have a, um, you know, a developed case for reparations in the same way that you do. Okay? um the i i i um i'm feeling a little bit flat-footed uh on this yeah yeah so so the 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 two the the two points that jump out at me are one well actually make it let's make it three um one uh there was a you know slavery and jim crow uh, which Jim Crow cannot be disentangled from slavery. You know the the end of Reconstruction and the terrorism that you know the literal terrorism that afflicted much of the South, you know, and eventually bits and pieces of the North, um, uh, you know, post slavery, uh, you know, were were and remained to some extent an injury, you know, and and in the law and and in morality. Uh, when an injury is suffered, you know compensation is due, and uh, so that's point number one. Point number two is, you know, you stress proximate cause. You know, the, the obviously with the, with with distance, um, we no longer have proximate cause. Um, we do have uh, what we might call stochastic causation. Uh, we know that there's that the, that 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 an injury has occurred and that the consequences of the injury for many people have not been overcome, you know, because of the structure of, um, of, of racism in the United States. You know, the, the, the policies were, were developed both privately and governmentally, you know, that, that uh, continued the injury, you know, sharecro- the, the, the creation of sharecropping, the, the, the Ku Klux Klan, you know, the, um, the housing policies. Uh, You know, mortgage policies, redlining, um, you know, the things that that diminished or prevented or uh, in some cases, um, you know, reversed, you know, the creation of wealth. I mean, your family, you know, was was both, um, you know, perseverant, you know, and 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 motivated and lucky other families that may have been just as perseverant and, and and committed were not so lucky. You know, especially in the deep south. You know, so so that goes to the third point, which is your your lived experience. Other people have different lived experiences. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't agree with you. I mean, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't disagree with you. That uh, that that you know, people people uh, in a in a mob, uh, you know, in the present day, uh, who are claiming that looting is reparations, you know, are wrong about that. You know, I agree that that that. That is that is not reparations. That abuses the term reparations. Since when does somebody who 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 has not um, uh, injured you uh, somehow uh, be the person who has to pay you compensation um, for something that you have not suffered that your ancestors suffered? So. You know, I think the concept of compensation for injury is the important concept here, because reparations is a is a lightning rod kind of a term. Uh, the uh, you know, but but compensation you know, under the law normally requires proximate cause, as you put it. Right. Uh, reparations is not doesn't require proximate cause. I mean, who was it? You know, post in post-war Germany. You know, who paid reparations to the to, to the Jews and for that matter why were was reparations uh, why were reparations paid to Israel instead of to the individual Jews who were murdered you know well you know it's kind of hard to pay somebody who you know is dead uh, so so the, so the very concept of, of requiring proximate cause and identifying a, a, a victim uh, you know is defeated and so you can't, you know, it's it's unfair to require that that um, uh, that the concept of compensation be defeated because because um, uh, the the um, because the murderer has been too successful in his job. Okay, so um, you know, and, and if you let enough time pass, and you get to say, well, we can't show proximate cause anymore. And stochastic cause is getting kind of murky. You know, that is that, that we know that there's something out there, but it's getting murky and it's hard to identify anymore. Um, then suddenly uh, we give a pass to the criminal. You know, I don't think that's very fair. You know, the fact is, is that for 400 years, you know, people's labor was confiscated. Their families were broken up their ability to create wealth, their, create, their ability to create psychologically safe units, social units, the family, you know, were, were, were systematically destroyed. All of those things have consequences and they had consequences that were beneficial, you know, to, to, the, to white elites and in fact to the broader white economy uh, that was built on that. So the fact that they may have, the criminals managed to suppress this for long enough doesn't, doesn't seem to me give them either a legal or moral pass.
1: Well, and and I appreciate that I think that uh, and I agree with you in part I mean I do think that uh, one it is a a travesty for people in the modern age to mislabel or miscast criminal looting as, as fair and just reparations for the actions of a slaver in sixteen fifty six or seventeen twenty one right that that's that's Wrong, and we agree with that. We see eye to eye, and unfortunately, those kind of statements I think pollute the public discourse. Yes, agree. Disconnect us from the reality of what we should be focused on, which is, I think, causation. Moving on to your examples involving um, Israel and Jews and Germany, I think that's a wonderful example in terms of an injury and not letting the criminals off the hook. The problem for me is once again causation. I can see the case for proximate causation between 1940s Nazi Germany and Israel in the 1960s or 1970s. It's what, a 30 year difference? I can't see the reasonable argument for proximate causation between Mr. Willis's actions in Tidewater, Virginia in 1790 and a cousin who may break the law in the year 2021. There's no even proximate causation for me there. So I return to causation. Um, you know, we, you and I are compassionate people. I think we believe in compassion for the vulnerable. Um, I also believe in the importance of Black heritage, Black achievement, Black tradition. I mean, it's kind of odd for me to say because I'm a preacher, if you will, of the first generation of desegregation in the 1970s. But oddly enough, at root, black achievement inspires me, it uplifts me. And so one of my difficulties with the reparations debate is it forces us to focus on catastrophe and atrocities and brutalities in our past. And yes, they are there. Yes, they are there. We know they're there, we know. That I know that you know that that I couldn't read that book American Slavery as it is from cover to cover without stopping for emotional reasons, but I also know that I have the benefit to remove from that. My if my great grandparents who were slaves could say let it go, we're going to create a better future for our descendants. Doesn't the debate over reparations take us back into a defeated past? I mean, I think. My concern is not just causation, but the spiritual corruption it imposes on the of black American slaves. You want to focus on the future. Um, and even during slavery, there were people who were achieving, who were uh, uh, accumulating assets. You know that from our earlier conversations. I mean, I could go on and on and on. My grandmother, who had purchased property in 1921, the year of the Tulsa um, massacre. She acquired property, and she wasn't the first in her family. She was acquiring property as her father and her grandfather had done before her, a former slave. Um, you have my um, uncles who acquired red brick homes and businesses and property in the 1960s. Um, as, as you know, Dan, I have an interesting background. It's very multiracial. And one of the things I always find interesting is that if you look at my great, 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 great grandfather, George Twyman III, did he own slaves? Yes, he did. He owned 49 in the year 1790. By the year 1965, the Civil War had come and gone. General George Custer had rummaged through the uh, cupboard in the Twyman home at Oak Lawn. By 1876, The family home was gone, Oak Lawn was lost to bankruptcy. And so by 1965, the white Twymans, the descendants of slave owners, were destitute. They had no electricity, they had no running water, they were poor, shivering in the chill. Black Twymans in the mid 1960s were, relatively speaking, doing well. Red brick homes, running water, electricity, cars, businesses. One of my uncles, Uncle Will Ernest Senior, was the probably the biggest black businessman in the county. Um, and so when I look at those comparisons between white twiomens and black twiomens over time, does reparations really make sense in terms of the recapturing assets if the white twiomens were destitute in 1965 before the civil rights era took root? and the black twymans who were doing quite nicely. Thank you very much. Um, respond.
2: The so so what what we've got here is 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 you know I, you know look the you know, I, I can't contest, you know, the empirical. I mean, we're, of course, assuming that we're all telling the truth here, and, and I have no doubt that you are. So, you know, we can't, I can't contest the empirical data, right? So we have to, we have to adjust our thinking around the empirical data. Right. There's other empirical data out there. You know, there's, there, there are people who, uh, who did not do so well, whites who did very well and blacks who did not do very well. I mean, look at look at, you know, Mississippi and the sharecropping system, you know, and the lynch mobs, you know, to keep them in line and so on. You know, the, the I don't know Virginia the way you know, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you grew up in an area that was closer, you know, to the to the national capital, perhaps, you know, the, the, the laws functioned better to protect. I was lives.
1: also born in the capital of the Confederacy, Richmond, Virginia, just a footnote.
2: OK, they <laughs> they. The, um, but maybe because it was closer to the center, you know, laws functioned in a more, you know, equal way that maybe the equal rights uh, um, amendment uh, to the Constitution protected blacks in your part of the country better than they protected blacks further out in the hinterlands, you know, where local uh, white mobs, you know, had a freer hand, you know, and maybe they didn't have such a free hand close to the center of the federal government. You know, those things are possible, you know, but the the uh, if if, if um, You know I when 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 9-11 happened um, The people suffered different kinds of injuries, right and a trustee was appointed, you know for a very large to, to distribute a very large fund uh, In order to compensate victims of 9-11 uh, the the compensation was divvied out, you know, according to the injury, and a you know, and the injury was partly related to to the, the the nature of you know the level of a person's income. Person receiving a you know who, who lost a million dollar income, his family was destitute because he was dead, or might have been destitute otherwise. Um, you know, got a larger payout than somebody who was earning fifty thousand dollars as a janitor. You know, so um, there you know arguably somebody who has overcome the um the legacies of slavery for whatever reason um doesn't need as much compensation for the injury that his or her ancestors suffered uh, as the person who for uh, for one for whatever reason um has never overcome that legacy but now that whatever reason can hide a whole host of sins i mean so for instance Um, the, the, uh, if, 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 if you, um, were in Alabama or Mississippi and the, the, um, the, the culture and the actually the organized rules of the area, not just the expectations, the attitudes and so on, but those certainly play into it because they were part of the enforcement mechanism of the written rules, um, you know, if 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 that continues for years and years and decades, and you know, and even a century, what's happening there is you've got a continuation of a crime. Essentially, you you know, your your slave owner, you know, from 1790, you know, has created a structure that is pre- that is preserved by fellow conspiracists, you know, that that maintained the the the. Um, uh, the racket, essentially, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the criminal racket that persevered, you know, for a century after the slave owner's death, or more than a century, and we still see some of it. We see what we saw at the Capitol, you know, was in part a kind of a spiritual descendant, you know, of, 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 of an ancient crime, you know, so, yeah, go ahead.
1: I like what Dan has said. Dan is, you've made a very good point, Dan, and I don't often see it in the literature, that there's a, there's a nuance and complexity to the Black experience, to Black culture and consciousness. I love hearing that. I really do. And it's because so often I find that me and my cousins and my ancestors, who are Black, we, we don't see ourselves so much in the common discourse about structure and white supremacy and white privilege and white fragility and institutional. It you can go on with the slogans. We don't, when we think of our past, we could focus on the bad things, which we all know occurred, right? But we tend to take uplift from our past and to focus on the triumph over the adversity. I appreciate your reference to structure. And that's in common place in the public discourse that we have a structure placed, put into place by slave owners, which replicates itself. So I, I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, I also get that in black history internally, the greatest advance is always made from spiritual elevation, from uplift. The greatest advances. Isn't it something odd to you, Dan, that my great-great-grandfather, who was born a slave and acquired over 500 acres of land in his life and died in the 1880s, there's no record he demanded reparations for slavery. Or my great-grandfather, who you literally saw, there's no record he demanded reparations for slavery. On my wife's side of the family, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk and then some. I'm the poor person in the family. Stan probably appreciates, um, but I'm. I just think there's so much richness in the Black past, uh, and so I really, I really demand a high standard for causation before I would uh, consider reparations. Now, let me be queer. Be, be true. Let me be true that I don't want to be um, someone who's rigid and unreasonable. Sometimes my daughter will say, Dad, you're just rigid and recent. I think Jim Crow, redlining, discrimination, those are separate injuries, use your word. I'm open to discuss a date about that. I mean, to me, that makes more sense because causation is closer. My father, my father, can you believe this, Dan, My father, who's still living, 86, never attended a day of school with a white classmate think about that. Whereas I went through the transition from all-black schools to all-white schools, and then my kids, who've never attended a school more than, I don't know, 5% black, 4% black. In our one family, you've got two bookends. You've got the granddad who knew Jim Crow segregation and all the evils, and you've got privilege, black privilege, hello, you've got privilege grandkids who are doing the walk at Yale and places like that. So I just think it's a little it's, I don't want to be too flippant about it, but I'm in a trial, and the judge is just great. And whenever people just hammer on things that just seem just not sustainable, he'll say, what does he say? He'll say things like, uh, uh, what does he say? He'll say like, you know, you're you're wasting my time. <laughs> this is a big deal. What are we doing here? I don't care. Sometimes I feel like that in these discussions, because it is 2021. It's not my 1865. The people who should have been having this discussion were my great-great-grandparents. They didn't clamor for it. Why the heck should a great-great-great-granddaughter... Privilege, private schools, Yale, you name it. (laughs) He's skipping along saying, ooh, we're going to get reparations. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's insanity. So, but Dan, you're so astute. You're so perceptive. I love you as a friend because of that. You make me think. I think Dan is quite right. There is a nuance to Black experience. Perhaps living in Georgia or Mississippi or Alabama creates a different rationale for reparations than living in the shadow of the capital confederacy, I'll give you that, I'll give you that. But you still got to show causation for me because you look at your way two things, right? There's a great harm, I think, to the spirit of elevation uplift if you focus discourse on past evils, right? Because you always want to create a better future. You don't want to live in a defeated past if my great great grandfather knew that and my great grandfather knew that, certainly we should know that in year 2021. Your turn. So, okay. If I
0: Because this is part one of many, many conversations. And I think we oh, yes.
1: we could go on to
0: <laughs> right. We've laid some great groundwork. And before we bring in QA, I've got one question for you guys, and I'm almost done with my drink. So um, let's get to this and then we'll we'll open up the conversation. But my biggest question is more: How do we even like Dan? I would love to hear from you. What is your idea of reparations? Is reparations giving like literally giving a checkout, saying, "I'm sorry, you had you know um, you you were slave, you know you, you, your great great grandfather was a slave"? Is it uh, what what does reparations look like? I know Wink, for example, and I have written a piece, and he actually did the hard math. Yes. on what true reparations would be if we gave everyone who's descended from slaves. And I think that it would
1: have cost, was it 40 quadru- quadrillion? I'll tell you. There was okay. a wonderful study, Dan, done <clears throat> June 19th, 2020. It's called the wealth implications of slavery and racial discrimination for African-American descendants of the enslaved published in the prestigious The review of black political economy. I encourage all listeners to re- read this wonderful <laughs> report and the report, Concluded that if you view reparations as a matter of back paid for uncompensated slave labor for all of American slavery from sixteen fifty five to eighteen sixty five, back pay comes out to six point two quadrillion dollars six percent interest, loss of freedom sixteen quadrillion dollars six percent interest, pain and suffering the torture the atrocities the brutalities and, and I just doubled the figure for that. So you're looking at 44.4 quadrillion 4. 4 dollars. No, Dad.
2: As Everett Dirksen <laughs> used <laughs> to say, a quadrillion here and a quadrillion there, and eventually you're talking about real money. Real
1: money right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So so part of me, like like the like the judge, I kind of feel like, what are we doing? We've got COVID, a worldwide pandemic. There are more important things to yeah. occupy space right. in the sure. public square let, than let, let me, about, you know, things yeah. from two years ago.
2: I I hear you. Um, So so let's let's draw another finer fine fine distinction, another another bit of nuance here. Um, There there are multiple um, kind of threads of thinking going on here. You know, there's obviously there's 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 the compensation for direct injuries. You know that 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 can be traced. You know to redlining and you know and and and. Not granting mortgages for discriminatory
1: reasons and so on but, but of course just to make the point of course as, as I see it in terms of causation <clears throat> Those are Downstream from American yeah, yeah. slavery per right. se, So the debate is always right, 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 right. so
2: so um, You know the the, the um, I would kind of want to work upstream Okay a little bit here um, the uh, there the, you know there are clear linkages between the policies of the recent past and even today and the uh, and, and the structure of of racism and oppression that followed the end of slavery which of course is in turn connected to slavery as a system itself which was a major part in the building of this country okay the so so there are some things you know that that where that some injuries where we can tie together uh, the 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 proximate cause you know and the injury itself and some reasonable form of compensation. I mean, I was listening to uh, just yesterday uh, a congressman, uh, a Japanese American congressman, uh, talking about uh, how his uh, grandfather's property um, in I think in Hawaii, um, he bought for $2,500 in the 1920s and in the, during, during the, um, uh, the internment, uh, you know, the, the property built up a tax lien and when his grandfather and, and father got out, uh, of internment, they couldn't pay off the lien and they lost the property and the ground was worth $25 million today, but there's a holiday in on it and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, th- th- this kind of, 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 you know, that's that's probably race based uh, and it's not race based against against blacks in that case But there is a kind of a of an insensitivity, you know, to to the uh, To to the injuries that are suffered by people who are not powerful or who do not fit into majority white culture You know, so 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 that I think we can talk about, you know, in a way that that doesn't necessarily have to reference, you know, reparations or reference slavery per se. So that's, that, that, I think that is is a way of getting around, you know, that's more like, you know, like we've got an injury that comes from this historical cause and and we can deal with it, you know, in a, in a traditional kind of a trustee based compensation scheme.
1: And you bring me closer to your position when you make that clear, that it need not be linked or tied to American slavery. I'll give you a great case in point. So, you know, I mentioned my great great grandfather, Daniel Brown, who owned 500 acres of land probably by the 1870s, and he'd been born slave. Like, I did some calculations maybe a month ago. If all of those acres had remained in the family, today they would be worth $40 million. That's a lot of money. Um, so, what probably happened over time? Well, he had sixteen children. Uh, two died in childbirth. Four passed for white. So the remaining ten got one tenth of uh, the acreage, and they probably, you know, either overleveraged their property. They probably may not have paid property taxes. They ended up been swindled out of it. Who knows? But I do know that over the generations, there was a dwindling down of that property, so that today. The great-great-grandkids were not worth $40 billion. But there is a sense among distant cousins of what might have been if the property had remained intact over those generations. So that is kind of a haunting sensation, if you will. It it is. But once again, I'm like an old broke record. If you look at reparations as injury, and compensation for uncompensated slave labor. There, suppose the slaves have been compensated. There's no guarantee the money would have saved the family over the generations. People might have gone to the gambling hall or gone to uh, Lady of the Evening or engaged in bad investing. We sometimes presume that to make people whole, You have to make sure everyone who was a slave was fully compensated for their labor back in the 1600s and 1700s and 1800s and presume that that would have stayed intact. I don't think so. I think history tells us very rarely does wealth remain intact in families over five generations. It's quite uncommon, actually. So I think that's another point to consider as well. But the one thing I love about this conversation, Dan, is you and I, while we disagree, We are clear in our disagreements, and we reach for points of commonality. We keep our minds open to compromise or some inner consensus. And I think that's how people should approach these difficult issues. The point is not, Dan, good friend Dan. The point is never to dominate someone, right, or to assert power over someone who differs. We grow most as a country and as a society when we value a search for commonality. We value a search for purpose, a search for meaning. Viktor Frankl didn't write Man's search for power, right? He wrote Man's search for meaning. So I think that Black people have always known that we're at our best when we're driven by the spirit to aim high in life. We're not at our best when we live in resentments and grudges um, in a defeat. The defeating past that's not where we excel um i just think that in the year 2021 like that judge might say what are we doing
2: <laughs> yeah, well, let, you know let me let me <laughs> come back to this because you know and and you, you know you sort of jumped ahead to talk about the kind of right. meta conversation um the but i want to use that as a segue and 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 then jen i'll shut up and you, sure. know, you can Go to the next stage. Um, Notice, Kim the, say so much. The,
0: <laughs> what? you guys make you well uh, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Yeah, sure. go on, just go on,
2: Dan. The, the, um, you know this this issue about uplift, this issue about meaning. You know, I mean, Victor Frankel's book. You know, in my 20s when I read it, you know, it was it was a very powerful book. It really it's affected behind me. It. Yeah, and the the, uh, you know, but what do we say to a young black man? Uh, And his friends, who are who who are who who only feel safe on their block, you know, in in on west side of Chicago, you know, who who have never had a chance for a decent education, you know, who have seen their parents and their grandparents systematically robbed, you know, of 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 their property, Uh, you know, they bought a house on contract because they couldn't get a get a mortgage, and then they missed one payment and they lost the house and the house is resold a second time a third time a fourth time you know the the um, you know they 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 see this power structure in a vis- in a visceral way and they see it acted out you know in a highly detailed way it's a macro power structure yeah. that has tendrils that extend right down to their daily lives okay and that power structure reaches back to a racist and past A a past where in which in which the United States created a subcast of Americans and I think this concept of caste is important You know that that,
1: Pardon? Wilkerson the book lady worked the book caste, right
2: exactly, but I lived in India for a year I got I, I got familiar to a certain extent with caste caste has positive virtues and it has negative virtues and and you can be you know you can be in a caste and be poor or rich but it gives you certain benefits and so we created a white caste that could could oppress a black caste no matter what their income was except unless, if if they had the power to do so in their local power structure right so one of the things that reparations the concept of reparations gets at and i think what motivates the the this this uh, you know, this, this thinking of like, I'm going to grab, you know, a pair of Ray-Bans and that's reparation for my, for, for, for slavery. Well, what it is, 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 a, it's a, not, of course, it's opportunistic, but it's also, I think at a deep level, you know, a, an, an attempt to impose a reckoning that the United States has not done.
1: What does that mean? Like define for me what a day of reckoning would mean. No, I'm not
2: I mean, talking. No, not, not day of reckoning. Day of reckoning is like apocalypse. You know. Like,
1: right, right. It's, it's like the
2: boogaloo. We're not going. We're not going there. Okay, that's a different sense of reckoning. Okay. Um, the the um, but I mean, look at the truth commissions. You know, in Argentina and South Africa. You know where you know and in and in Germany when they with the denazification you know it's a reckoning with the past it's an admission look the south the, the 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 south after the civil war during during after reconstruction they recreated this sterile image you know of 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 the antebellum world you know and and so kids you know i don't know about now but kids over this last century grew up with this you know uh, this 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 perfect picture of 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 a, of, of a Dixie, you know that you know was almost Disney like, you know and 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 so so that makes the reckoning harder because because there are because people's views, you know of slavery and the impact. You know, or get get all confused. You've got the victims, and you've got the victors. But then you know what I think. Pictures, yeah. Go you know ahead. What I
1: think about a, rec- a reckoning, I'm going to, I'm going to channel my judge. You know what I think about a reckoning, Dan. I think a real reckoning would be for every um, black American, every descendant of American slavery, to be honest, to be truthful about who you really are in terms of your full family heritage, your full genetic heritage. I mean, one of the great turning points in my life, as you know, Dan, has been doing 23andMe and social.com and discovering not kind of this false sense of who I am. Well, you're 100% descendant of American slavery. I mean, I probably thought that into the year 2016 or 2017. But by looking through the records and the data, I've discovered a whole new universe of people who are part of me, Twylamans. Learning that I'm you a know, descendant from George Twyman I, who was an English immigrant to the US, uh, came here in 1677 in Virginia. And in terms of reckoning, I mean, I think that's what truth and reconciliation is all about. Recognizing that you're not just this forced other. The truth is you're part of the greater humanity in Virginia or the greater humanity in Missouri or Virginia. Little story. I was on my walk this morning. Jen knows I like to do walks before these podcasts. And I was just walking down the road and I saw this cute little kid. She was like maybe one or two years old. She was white, blue eyes, blonde hair. And her dad was holding her and she was looking at me and she waved and said hi. And I said hi in return. For most of my life, that would have been it. I would have taken no special meaning for that or had no special thought. But because I now know that my twem and cousins, some of them, look like her. It kind of created for me a, a click of kinship in her. She could have been one of my distant cousins for all I know. So I think that deep ancestry is really a truthful way for truth and reconciliation because you force people who have ties through genetics and blood and name uh, to recognize they're one, that they have commonalities. Um, this I have done two podcasts with distant cousins who are white. Um, the writer, James Twyman, and the professor, Nathan Twyman. And then we have another one for February planned with uh, Brittany Twyman. And I just think it's wonderful. It's wonderful how people can have a sense that family and know one another and that they have a shared history even though outside forces would force us to look at things purely as a matter of black or white. I just don't think that gets us very far. I think if we grow to see that we're part of a larger family, uh, that's the way towards a greater end. You know, Dan, 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 joy is in common humanity. Joy has never been in a divisive defeatist past. Yes, we know horrible things happen. Yes. I was telling Jen the other day, maybe a few months ago, that this reparations thing just struck me as so off key. I grew up, I was born in Virginia. I have thought more about slavery in the past two years, three years, than I did between 1961 and the year 2018. And I grew up in the capital of the Confederacy, so it just seems a little bit strange to me this whole debate. I I,
2: apply, I applaud your hum, your expansive view of humanity, but 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 I need I want to make one and a half points.
1: Sure, go ahead, take, the, take it home, the, Dan. it,
2: it's, it, it, it home. shouldn't be solely on the shoulder, the shoulders of the of of of, of, the, of the short end of the stick to have to do this. The rest of us have to do this. It's the problem, the reason that there are pissed off people, you know, in Minneapolis and so on, you know, making these crazy statements about this being reparations is because they are pissed because the rest of society isn't doing what you're doing. You know, it's like it's very nice that you've encountered white relatives, you know, who are welcoming you into their midst. But I'll get I'll, I'll bet you that that kid on a corner, you know, in West Side Chicago, is not finding a whole lot of 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 kumbaya on the part of of of, of, of his white relations, not to mention his non-white relations, or rather but, his white but, non-relations.
1: But are they seeking out one another? That's the thing. That's
2: well, the, see, this is the thing. I mean, right. like the, right. you know, you see, you have these programs of Israeli Palestinian reconciliation. Mm-hmm. They are micro inside. Right. So you need something that is more social, more broad based, something where we can all, you know, confront, you know, the legacy, you know, the reality, the simple facts of our history, and then say, okay, I don't have look at I'm not walking around feeling guilty about the sins of my forefathers. Okay. I choose to do something about it and then I don't have any guilt about it. But if I weren't doing anything about it, then I might.
0: Well, mm-hmm. I think you know, wink, we've got one of the things that we're working on is this idea of bringing ancestry into these conversations. so glad I'm glad I think we should end on that for this podcast, and this is the start of many other similar conversations. so we'll pick this back up. But I love that wink. I think that if we and maybe that's part of a, a solution that we haven't discussed before is bringing this big, you know truth and reconciliation within both black and white families to go, Oh, Hey, guess what? You're my brother. You're my sister, you know, and and as as part of one solution when we talk about reparations. So you guys, thank you so much for having a drink with me. It has been a pleasure. I look forward to our next conversation. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of hold my drink. Like or subscribe to the show and check out the show notes for links to source material and to our website where you can find what each of us is reading every week. Different news with different views. If you have a topic that you would like us to explore, drop us a line. And join us next week as we say, hold my drink and the conversation gets real.